Well, hello, CHP viewers and listeners. Welcome to another edition of CHP Talks. We are here today with Ariel Alderking, who is running provincially for CHP BC. And we're going to be talking a little bit about healthcare and about the BC provincial election. So, Rod, why don't you introduce our guest for today? Well, it's a great pleasure to have Ariel Alderking with us today. She is a candidate, as Peter mentioned, in Abbotsford Mission, for the candidate for the CHP of British Columbia. And she's been a resident of both the Mission and Abbotsford sides of that riding. And, and for over 25 years, Ariel has worked hard to create a positive impact on her community. She's volunteered in the school system. She's written resolutions resulting in $10 million being released across the province to keep parents' voices represented at the provincial table. She has also worked as an advocate for children confronting unpopular issues such as suicide and bullying. And she's also worked to prevent suicide in Aboriginal communities. In 2009, Ariel put on five major youth events to address gangs in our community. She brought in Amir Javid to speak to youth, and he went on to address youth in all the high schools in Abbotsford. She was successful in stopping youth from joining gangs, letting them know that the community cares about them. Ariel is currently the treasurer of a seniors association, and she is the past president of the Fraser Valley Conservancy. She spent numerous years chairing and fundraising on parent advisory councils, as well as on DPAC and BCCPAC representative. Uh, she coordinated fundraising for the Kidney Foundation and the District of Mission, and she volunteered with the multicultural festivals, and more recently, Friends of the Libraries. As a single parent for over 25 years, Ariel has built a business around her children's lives. Her daughter recently completed her master's degree in economics and works for the federal government. Her son is a successful marketer and happily married for a decade to a lovely mission girl who is a nurse, and they have given Ariel two precious grandchildren. I've had the privilege of meeting Ariel a few years ago, and I really appreciate uh, her spunk, her uh, courage, her uh, art articulate manner of presenting some of the issues um, both in her community and and to us in fact and so Ariel it's a great pleasure to have you today uh, thank you for joining us thanks Rod well thanks, you Rod. brought up a number of issues in that introduction seniors issues and we want to get to those and talk about health care um, but I know that a, a big issue in healthcare that you've um, mentioned is is eugenics and how you see that creeping in do you want to start off with that it's a heavy one yes it is but that's the thing i'm not afraid of heavy issues i will take on the things that other people don't address uh suicide in youth was was uh extremely high and still is very high in aboriginal communities and a very serious issue and during covid we've seen an uptick of suicidal feelings in the youth, and that has not been addressed by the government whatsoever. We've also had a lot of seniors isolated. But when it comes to eugenics, that is incredible. The NDP in the 70s brought in the Infants Act, which very few people are aware of, and I brought it to Mike DeYoung's attention in Abbotsford West and asked him to address it because it allowed youth to be lured into drug houses and prostitution as young as 12 years of age and disempowered parents and police from getting them out of there. Then we have the BC Liberals bring in, well, basically they reinstated the Sterilization Act of 1933, which was supposedly repealed in 1973. My first job out of high school was at Woodlands, which was the original BC mental hospital 
where I can tell you categorically they were still sterilizing people, disabled people, people that they felt were feeble-minded of any kind. That same uh, board is happening today, only they're sterilizing all people who they think will become transgendered. They're sterilizing uh, disabled people again. They're sterilizing Aboriginal people, and they've never stopped Aboriginal people from being sterilized, which is, in fact, the most systemic racism that we've had in BC ongoing for almost 100 years. So it's time to stop these things. The Eugenics Board that was put together in 1933 consisted of a school, the psychiatrist, and the judge. And we have the same three stakeholders present today. Schools are allowed to, uh, without the knowledge or permission of parents, refer children to a doctor. The doctor will then uh, invoke doctor-patient privilege, so the parents are cut out of the system. They, they're trying to say that these children are knowledgeable enough to make these life-altering decisions. Then they sterilize them. They give them puberty blockers to arrest their development so they will never have properly developed bones, brains, organs. And then they flood their bodies with hormone therapies, which they have no idea what will do. In hormone replacement therapy trials on women, there was a high incidence of cancer and they had, to, uh, they had to stop these trials. So they have no idea what they're doing to these children. They are experimenting on our children and it's the BC Liberals that reenacted that. So these two parties are the most vile parties and have launched the most serious attack on parental rights and the protection of children that this province has ever seen. Wow, that's... Uh... Serious. And the, the issue of gender reassignment surgery has come up, and Laura Lynn was certainly, uh, she spoke to us a little bit about the, uh, that the other week. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the case that actually made the news? Um, and, uh, yes, yes. Well, they, you know, it's unfortunate, but Aborig if you talk to Aboriginal people, they absolutely could tell you that this has been going on, and it's been an ongoing concern in their community, and has never stopped being a concern. So this has been something that has been continuing, but it really came to the forefront was this particular case with this father who was trying to defend his 15-year-old daughter. And this child also has uh, some type of mental health issue, similar to autism, I believe. And so they convinced her that it would be really great to be a boy. Oh my, wouldn't that be nice? They show you films that say, oh yeah, I'm happy, I can fly. I haven't seen a human being fly yet. But the, the thing is, is that they, they coerce these children, they influence them into believing that it would be great. They don't tell them any of the consequences of these medical interventions. So these children are led to believe that these things can be reversed. They cannot. They are categorically having their lives severely altered and they really have no understanding of the consequences. And this, so this is uninformed consent on the part of a child. Really, it has to be the parents who make these type of decision because parents have life experience and they understand that when you're sterilized, it's permanent. They understand that when you arrest development and you can't turn puberty back on, you are really looking at medical issues for the rest of your life.
And, you know, I sat in Mike DeYoung's breakfast meetings and he talked about how the medical budget is over half, the, the medical health care costs are over half of the provincial budget. He was saying that we'd have to start rationing health care in order to uh, cut that back. So they're, they're rationing health care for people who have cancer, for elderly people who, who have various issues, and they're starting an experiment on children that is going to burden our medical system for years to come. And not only that, but now there are lawsuits being launched. There's just a new lawsuit in the UK being launched from children who have been transitioned who can't uh, undo this. So now we're looking at lawsuits against the government and lawsuits against these healthcare providers that are, that are uh, at the forefront of this. But this father tried to defend his child. He tried to stop what was going on and say, hey, we need some time to think about this and to really consider things. He wasn't allowed to speak to his daughter, to explain to her the consequences. In fact, he was ordered not to call her a daughter anymore because that would be considered violent. So then they transition this girl. She's now sterilized. She now has puberty blockers. She's now having her body flooded with testosterone. And there are no trials whatsoever to say what the outcome of this will be. And the World Economic Forum tells you that, oh, don't believe anything medical unless there's peer-reviewed uh, articles in, in medical journals. Well, there is nothing that states what will happen. There haven't been any medical trials. This is a complete experiment on this child. It is irreversible. And now the government appointed lawyers to, to represent her, but they're not representing her because now they've charged the father for speaking out and giving an interview and trying to warn other parents. So they have on their own hook, they are now pressing to have him put in jail for five years for speaking out about what's happened to his daughter. And the daughter doesn't even want him to go to jail, but the lawyers are pressing this because they represent the government. They don't represent the child. And well, this, this is the problem. The agenda of the government is taking over the family. This whole concept of the government knowing better than the parents what's good for their children, that goes back. Even the residential school system itself is based yeah. on that premise, the government taking the children away and uh, overruling the parents' wishes. And uh, now it's, it's happening in a broader segment of society, but, but it's the same abusive approach of a top-down government, top-down socialist government telling parents uh, what to do and, and uh, what they can't do. And well, and they've they've been trying to promote this point for years. They do it through the media, through the news. Oh, look at you know how much family violence has occurred since COVID started. What a pile of rubbish! And they and they've been doing this in, for years in the school system. Oh, teachers really have to check on parents because parents can't be trusted. They brought this in through the through the um, led the education system. They started undermining children's uh, confidence in their parents. They'd send children home to check. Oh, where did your parents store uh, the chemicals in your house? What did they do? This did they do that? My seven-year-old daughter came home and she was so terrified. Her little shoulders were up and she was like oh mom where do you keep these things and then when I said honey they're up on a shelf where you can't reach them she was so relieved because she had to go back to school to give a report on her mom and whether she failed or not this is the kind of rubbish 
that has been going on in the school system for years. They've been undermining parents and trying to undermine the, the uh, assurance that children have that their parents love them and know what's best for them. And the majority of parents are excellent at taking care of their children. We do not need to have the government tell us how to do it. Yes, absolutely. Very good. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, switch over to seniors and uh, talk a little bit. I don't know if you want to talk about hospice or long-term care or maybe a bit of both, but uh, how is well, that? I'd like to just talk about testing because I've had many seniors clients over the years through my business. And I can tell you that when they go in, one of the favorite things that doctors have been saying lately is, oh, you're a good age. You've lived a good life. So it's okay, you know, basically they're implying it's okay if you die now, right? You're okay with dying, aren't you? And, and so they're, they're withholding medical treatment. I had to advocate for my own employer who was a businessman. So what if he's 87 years old? He's still working. And I told them that and they were like, oh, that changes everything. Oh, well, then, you know, we should do the cardiac testing. We should do. And, you know, there was nothing wrong with this man's health. He wasn't on any real serious medications. He needed, you know, one little stint put in his heart. Big deal. And, and they, you know, so they're, they're starting to decide who lives and who dies. And that's a horrible pressure to put on our doctors, that they have to make these kind of decisions about their patients. And seniors have value. They have paid into this country all their lives, and they do not need to be euthanized and put down like a dog. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it and it becomes a terrible thing when healthcare is rationed. I mean, we're paying for the sex change things like that. We're paying for abortion, and uh, but we not, we don't want to pay, or the government seems to not want to pay to look after those who have built this province up and have you know been the mainstay, the taxpayers for years. When they yeah. get the uh, that they're not able to contribute in the same way, this government yeah. says you go away because uh, we want those healthcare dollars. Cosmetic they're even paying for cosmetic surgeries, such as as uh, breast uh, lifts and this sort of thing. They are paying for things that are not essential, and we have people who are terminally ill. Yes, maybe they need comfort through to the end of their life. But we have other people that if they had early interventions, they can go on to have a healthy, productive life. So we have two problems here. We have them wanting to end people's lives and we have them not giving medical treatment in a timely fashion. And COVID was very apparent in that because they shut down all medical health care and only had the hospitals available for COVID treatments. Well, I know there's one last issue that you wanted to mention, um, as we do have to wrap up shortly, um, and that's a, a message to farmers in your area, and uh, do you want to address them? Well, it's not just farmers. I'd like to address everyone, because I'd like to know, do you eat food? <laughs> you like to have food on your plate at night? Well, then you need to love the farmers in your community. And unfortunately, farmers' median age is 60 years of age. If we do not get young people into this particular career category, we're going to have serious issues. So young people are struggling to get in the price of land. And why is the price of land up? Because both the NDP and the Liberals allowed money laundering from China. They allowed them to come in and launder their money by buying our real estate and driving up the prices. So we have both those, those political parties to thank for this. 
And so now it's, it's critical that we help young people get into the farming uh, community and get land. There's a lot of land that's not actually being farmed. It's maybe owned by people who enjoy a country lifestyle. We need to get these back. One of the great groups that have been working on this is the Young Agrarians. They've done a fantastic job but the government needs to intervene because we need it on a much larger scale. Um, there is going to be food shortages around this world. Right now there are locusts swarming over 23 countries in this world. Mass starvation expected in East Africa. India's having problems. Iran's having problems. Israel's having problems. It's gone through Asia. It's now starting in South America and they're expecting it to head north. So we have a window of time to look at these problems and find a way to deal with them. Otherwise, our country, and there I've spoken to farmers in Abbotsford who remember what it was like when locusts came in and swarmed in the prairies. And these particular desert locusts can take up to 20 years to get rid of. So we need to start looking at our farmers and protecting our food security. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble and we could actually be the answer to the world and be very productive and very successful out of this whole tragedy. Well, <clears throat> that, uh, that just reminds me also of CHP's policy on the national and the federal level of, of land security in terms of farmland should be owned by Canadians. Um, it should not be bought up by investors, foreign investors. Um, yeah. It should be owned by Canadians and then it can be managed and farmed for the good of uh, Canada for um, food security as well. So. And, and there's been tremendous pressure in our community to take ALR land out for industrial purposes, for building condos, for development. It came up yesterday in the Abbotsford Chamber of Commerce uh, Forum again. Oh, would you, you know, be willing to take this out for development? You know, if we start removing land from the ALR, we will not be able to produce enough food to feed Canadians, let alone help any other countries who are in trouble. And I know I'm on different feeds with permies, uh, permaculture experts and agricultural interests. And there have already been locusts showing up in, in the southern states where people are having problems with them on their properties. So this is a serious issue. We need to help our farmers and we need to protect them. And this is another thing, you know, you want to lower the carbon footprint, stop uh, bringing in uh, invasive species or, or things that can be grown here even, vegetables and things that we can, can be grown here, then we're not going to end up with Asian wasps coming in, we're not going to end up with cane toads, we're not going to end up with invasive species, like the blackberry is actually European, it doesn't, it's not natural to BC. And as a, as a former president of the Fraser Valley Conservancy, I can tell you that these conservancy problems are very serious to our environment. We end up with, with plants that are invasive. They produce thousands of seeds. And uh, we should not be even having these plants sold in nurseries as decorative for, for gardens even. They sh these should be outlawed. We had to drain a lake here in Burnaby because a Chinese fish was released that can actually cross over land for five miles and would have threatened our fisheries. These are very serious issues. When you have to drain an entire lake to get one fish because that's how dangerous it is. We should not be allowing these things into our country. Well, yeah, certainly on the environment, invasive species is not usually one that uh, politicians like to talk about. It involves too much rolling up the sleeves and not enough just uh, slap on a new tax, right? So uh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's remind them of that, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you.
Yes. Rod, I don't know if you wanted to wrap up with anything, but I know our time is running short here. Well, I can say that we're very happy to have Ariel running for us in Abbotsford Mission. Uh, she's doing a great job of presenting CHP policies in support of life, family, and freedom. We need those three components. Uh, without life, you have nothing. Without family, you have no society. And without free speech, freedom to worship, freedom to assemble, uh, freedom to raise your children the way you uh, think that they should be raised, and freedom to own and operate a business. Without those things, we don't have uh, a democracy, and we need to maintain all those things to have a good, strong economy and society in British Columbia. So uh, very happy, Ariel, that you're representing us there. You're doing a great job. Uh, keep up the good work. And we'll both jump back in. As you know, I'm running in northern BC in the riding of Stikine, and uh, I've got my work cut out for me as well, but we're happy to take the time today to speak about uh, your topics that you are so uh, passionate and articulate with. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Let's get out there and knock them alive. Wonderful. Well, thank you both. And uh, thank you all to, our, uh, to all of our viewers and listeners for your attention. And uh, we hope you've learned something today. We hope to uh, talk again uh, next week on another edition of CHP Talks. Thanks so much. Thanks.